Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bannett. You're listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying this content, head over to www.yesodblocks.com where you can subscribe for only $9.99 a month and you can get access to all of the different content that we have going on there, all of the fundamental principles and ideas that we articulate indirectly through the exploration of Halacha and the Shulchan Aruch in this series are put there and organized there according to topics. And we're constantly adding new content there all the time. And we're looking at a big upgrade coming up in the next couple days. Uh, so a lot of stuff going on at yesodblocks.com. So join us uh, just to get access to that. Or if you want to support what we're doing and spread more and more Torah of this kind into the world, help us by also subscribing. And that acts as a support for funding uh, for what it is that we're trying to create with the Soul Block Spreading Torah that is truly transformational and uh, and perspective-altering. In this particular episode, we're just finishing up now Simon Mem Vav, that is section 46 in the Shulchan Aruch, and this is the end of uh, sort of like the section of Hilchos Birchos HaShachar, the brachos that we say at the beginning of the day. And the ending of Simon Mem Vav, section 46, there's a sort of like a set of bridge halachos going towards the next section, section 47, Simon Mem Zion, uh, which is all about Birkas HaTorah, the brachos that we say before we start learning Torah. So just a little bit of background there. There's a, a set of brachos that we're supposed to say. I mean, in general, the whole concept of brachos we've been discussing here has basically been these are trigger phrases that are designed to create consciousness, uh, awareness, consciousness, expansion of Hashem's presence in connection with uh, particular situations or, stir- or circumstances. And so we've been discussing, you know, until in the last few episodes is focused on brachos that are related to the things that we do when we first wake up, uh, we, as, we st- as we restart our day and come back into uh, physical awareness and consciousness. And so each of those brachos is designed to sort of reconnect our awareness to higher states of perception because the etzada'as dynamic constantly distorts and pulls us into smaller uh, uh, frames of reference and tends to to, to reduce our perceptions of existence. And so when you wake up and you just spend a lot of time sleeping in, in dormancy, what that leads to is a situation in which you are prone to accessing perceptions of yourself that are just small, fragmented, very partial. And that's because, again, the Das gives us the capacity to develop perceptions that are not in synchrony with reality, but instead are a function of our particular set of preferences, which is the the foundation of the dynamic of habits. In other words, your tendency to habitually perceive yourself in certain ways when you wake up. Sometimes when we wake up, we feel uh, excited to be awake. Sometimes we feel very heavy. We feel very much like we, we have a hard time getting out of bed or we feel like we don't really have passion for being awake and for engaging in what it is that we're here to do in the world. And there's a very wide variance of the kinds of w- things that you feel when you wake up in the morning. And that variance tracks after your fundamental perception that you are accessing uh, be- beneath your awareness. Because our perceptions, the, the tricky part about them, these things called deot are deos. So they are, they are uh, they're lenses, and lenses are intrinsically very difficult to see because you're always looking at the world through the lenses. You're not seeing the lenses. And so we have to develop awareness of our lenses. And when we wake up in the morning and it, you know, we're feeling a certain way, so to have a, a, a baseline awareness that that is a function of how we see the world, the way that we feel is, how, is a function of how we see things. So we have all these perception tactics that we use when we first wake up to access 
true perceptions, to access broad perceptions, not just because, you know, this is not an idea of like motivation. It's not a motivational speaker idea like, oh, well, you're supposed to wake up and be super excited for your day. That's not the case. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be excited. Uh, it, the first thing, the, the baseline, before we talk about whether you should be happy, sad, you know, any of these emotional responses or emotional dynamics that we experience when we wake up, you know, like a discussion of whether uh, whether there's an ideal one or something like that is not really a Torah discussion usually. The, the, the Torah's primary focus is first, before we discuss emotional responses or outcomes, is that you should have perceptions that are A, under your control to a great degree, and B, reflective of reality much more than they are reflective of your own personal preference. And so these brachos tools are, are phrases uh, triggers that we use to try to access perceptions that are more accurate when we wake up. And so the, the we went through a bunch of different ones uh, that are called Shachar, the morning brachos um, that we uh, have been discussing in the last few episodes. But now we're getting to this part that's, that talks about Birkas HaTorah. And these are brachos that we make before we are able to start learning Torah. And so we say these almost immediately when we wake up, but they come after uh, some of the other brachos, there's different orders, that pe- the different customs of the order you would say these in, but meaning in terms of whether you say them before the other brachos or after. Um, but these are brachos that are designed to uh, trigger a certain awareness about learning Torah. So just to give a little bit of background about that, and then we're going to you know actually jump into the halacha here. But the background here is that learning Torah is something which is it's we're going to have to expand this uh, significantly as we get further into these discussions. But the short idea right now is that Torah is itself a it's a repository of conceptions that are you could think of them as the way that Hashem sees existence, which is synonymous with the actual nature of existence because Hashem's seeing, Hashem's understanding, Hashem's conceptualization of being is is is, is actually the the foundation through which being is manifest. In other words, if you imagine, you know, a world in your mind, so that world is imaginary and there's but 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 if you were if you imagine a person living in that world, if that person could have conscious awareness, there'd be no difference between your imagination, your conceptualization of that world and the world itself for that person because your conceptualization is actually is the actualization of the world uh, in so you know as far as that person is concerned and so the the world that we live in so the conception of it is Hashem's conception and so if the Torah is the the map it is the outline it is the conceptualization of existence so and 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 that is synonymous with Hashem's way of seeing it so then when you learn the Torah what you're actually doing is you are accessing the information that is uh, the reflection of uh, the truth of, of informational existence. And so that's what the Torah is. Now, and there's a lot more to say about that, how, you know, when you learn the Chumash or you learn the Gemara, you learn Halacha, all these things, um, how it does, you know, how, how do you experience that? How do you see that? And that's kind of, that's actually sort of like a subtext for all the things that we're doing here. When, I, when, I, when I'm trying to accomplish with this particular series and really everything about your soul blocks is all about trying to show, to, to illustrate to you the, the ways that the Torah 
is actually that. In other words, you know, very often the problem is we learn Torah in a very fragmented way. We, you know, we learn halacha. It's a list of things, a list of things to do, and that creates this fragmentation, this distortion in which we have a hard time accessing the true nature of Torah. So it just kind of feels like these are just random, uh, uh, isolated laws that we're supposed to just follow because these are the right things to do, or something like that. But actually, this is a picture of existence that's very full, and when you can access the underlying framework, the, the principles, then you really can see that, and it actually helps you become more aligned with existence, more aligned with reality in so many different ways. I mean, in every way, really. Uh, and so that's like a key uh, uh, fundamental perspective that's 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 embedded or that's just, you know, subtext of this series and of all of these Sodeblock's content. And it's not just subtext, it's actually overt text. We're constantly articulating that. And so the the example here of, of, of brachos that we say before learning Torah is we're going to see this more when we actually learn the Mishnah Bruins in the next section. But you can think of it as the brachos that we say for food is for us to see Hashem's relationship with the food that we're eating. The brachos that we say with, about the different actions that we're taking are to see the, the relationship between Hashem and those actions. And the brachos that we say about learning Torah are for us to see the nature of Torah and the relationship between Hashem and Torah so we can, we can actually experience Torah as what it truly is as opposed to this isolated set of ideas or wisdom or, you know, like subject matter that's, you know, equivalent to something like mathematics. And so it's always about creating more consciousness, awareness of Hashem's presence in relation to whatever the topic uh, of the particular bracha is. And so that's what Birchus Torah are all about. Now, in the end of, of Simen Mem Vav, so we have, like I mentioned, this bridge halacha. So let's just read it and see exactly what is, on, is being discussed here. So this is now in Seif Tet. It's in uh, halacha number nine. It says, A person should not say any verses of Torah, like things from the Chumash or from the Navi, uh, without saying Birkas Torah first. Even if he's just saying those verses as kind of like a supplication, because what happens is in the Sidur, uh, we have all these different places where the text quotes verses from Tanakh, from the Chumash, from the Nevi'im, from the Prophets, uh, and so we have all these Pesukim that, we're saying, that, that, are, that are written that we say, and so some of them are actually you know, written and they're positioned in the Sidur before we even get to Birkas Torah. So here, the Shulchan Aruch, is, is, he quotes this opinion, which says that it's actually really not okay. You really shouldn't do that. You shouldn't um, read these psukim um, before saying Birkas Torah because uh, you should really, any, anytime you're saying any words of Torah at all, you should say the brachos first, so that way you can actually connect those words of Torah to the map of Hashem's perspective of existence that we just described. And then he says, this, and he says that's true, even if you are trying to use these psukim uh, as like a form of supplication, because the reason why, why that's a, a thing that you could do is because psukim are just words, and let's say there's a pasuk which has, uh, you know, has um, kind of like a request type of meaning, like there's a pasuk in uh, Parshas Baaloscha where Moshe is, is uh, engaging in tefillah, which we're going to talk about more a little later uh, in future episodes, um, Moshe is basically engaging in tefillah to try to uh, uh, help his sister who suddenly gets afflicted with leprosy, with tzara'as. So there he says, um, Elna Refanala, which basically means Hashem, uh, please heal her. So, you know, can you say those words, um, not because you're trying to, to say verses of the Torah, you know, psukim, um, for their own intrinsic you know, uh, part of, you know, piece of the Torah. Can you say them because you actually want to say those words, because you want to actually say a tefillah now for somebody to be healed? 
So it happens to be that it's the same words, but that's what's called derech tachanunim, where you're now actually using the words of the Torah uh, as some kind of request form. And so are you allowed to do that without saying birkas Torah or not? Because you're not really using them as Torah phrases, and yet at the same time, you kind of are. So the question is, can you do that? So here, the first opinion that the Shulchan Aruch quotes here is you're not supposed to do that. Then he says, The second opinion says that it's actually not a problem to do this. You don't have to worry about it, and you can do it since you're only saying them as a supplication. So you don't have to, you don't actually need to say Birkas Torah first. And then he then he, and he ends off saying, It's uh, it's better. It's proper to uh, to be more um, to, to 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 be careful to try to rely on or to try to follow the first opinion. To, to try to not uh, use psukim in this way without first saying birkas Torah. And then we have the Ashkenazi post like the Ramah. He says, Haga avala minhag kisvara achrona. The minhag is actually like the second opinion. In other words, the Ashkenazi custom is to do this and to not worry about it. He brings an example that in uh, during the time that's close to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, so uh, we actually have, we wake up extra early to say a bunch of special tefillos, uh, because it's a it's a time of uh, of requesting um, you know we're trying to do tshuva so it's basically an intense time period there with a lot of extra tefillah so we wake up early before we even say birkas Torah, we engage in this special set of tefillos called slichos which are requests for forgiveness for all of our mistakes and so there we use a lot of psukim a lot of verses from the Torah we don't say birkas Torah yet and so the Ramah says you see there's this custom to fa- to not to not do this and to not follow this this uh, first opinion of the Shulchan Aruch and that we actually have a very strong custom of saying these kinds of psukim as long as they are derech tachanunim uh, in a supplication type of form, so then you don't actually have to worry about saying Birkas Torah first. And so that's basically this set of halachos. And so recognize the, you know, the, the issue here is, well, you know, even essentially what I articulated earlier, when you say these psukim, so are you, are you saying Torah phrases? Are you learning Torah in a certain form? Even if you're using the phrases for your own personal requests, but those are still Torah phrases that we're thinking of. Well, when you say them, you're trying to trigger Torah thoughts that are now, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to access Torah perspectives when you ask for whatever it is that you're asking for, asking for somebody to be healed or asking for forgiveness. So you're trying to access those types of thoughts. Uh, from the, the, those are Torah thoughts, and so maybe what you would need to do is, according to that line of reasoning, you need to actually say Birkas Torah first. Or alternatively, you could say, well, actually, maybe when you're doing this, you're really just trying to access your own thoughts, and then you're just using very uh, uh, Torah strong language because it allows you to 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 connect more to what it is that you're feeling inside of yourself, but you're not really trying to access it in a Torah sense. And so there's really two opinions here, and you know, the 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 minhag of Ashkenaz is to generally not be too careful about this and to actually just say the the psukim the way that we do without even saying Birkas Torah. But the underlying idea here, and I think that you know the the thing to take away, especially in the beginning of the of this discussion of Birkas Torah, is to recognize what the Torah is, and and that whenever you're saying it, when you see that there are psukim that are mentioned in your sidur in the beginning, when you first start. Uh, um, re- re- saying things that are in the Sidur in the morning, you're going to start seeing that there are psukim that come up, sometimes even in certain Sidurim, even before you say Birkasat Torah. And so to have the awareness that this is actually an issue, not from a place, I mean, again, it's important to have it, the awareness from the halachic place for sure, but the halachic place is actually simply the expression of the underlying framework that we articulated earlier, which is to realize the Torah is not, on the one hand, it's not just a, a, the same thing as every other wisdom is every other uh, subject it's not it's not it's not synonymous with those kinds of things so i always i like to tell people you know the torah should never be less 
than another subject, which means you need to take it seriously and think about it, just like when you learn physics. So you shouldn't just like learn physics concepts without really thinking too much about them or trying to make them make sense or figure out what they mean. That's how we learn physics. So when you learn Torah, unfortunately, people often have this approach where they think of it as, well, since I'm learning Torah, and this is a religious experience, so I don't even need to, I don't need to really understand it in the same way. I can kind of just, well, I'm, in, I'm engaged in the process of learning. And that's all I need to really do. And so that can sometimes act as a, almost like a, 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 an excuse to not learn Torah as deeply as one would learn physics. So I always, I, I like to say that uh, you shouldn't treat it as less than another subject. At the same time, it's not the same thing as another subject because physics is only a reflection of certain parts of existence. And it's also in its current form, it's incomplete because it's just a human, it's a human attempt to construct uh, an understanding of, of existence, certain parts of existence based on our experience of the world. And so, and based on experimentation uh, within that world of experience. So it's inherently uh, incomplete and oft, and also often, uh, not only is it partial, it's also distorted and, and, and incorrect. And so it's a process of, of constantly uh, honing that and trying to, to make it more and more and more accurate. But with the Torah, it doesn't work that way. The Torah is an, act, an accurate and total reflection of existence. And so it's a different field inherently. And the Torah is also, like we mentioned earlier, it is, it is synonymous with, it is one with Hashem. In other words, just like your imagination is one with you, and if you imagine a world, all things in that imaginary space are all just made of the fabric of your being, of your thoughts, so that the Torah and existence are also that. And so when you learn Torah, you have to have all those things at play, not just because it's, you know, impolite or something, to not have those that awareness, it's not. It's not. It's not just about saying, "Well, you need to realize that this is Hashem's thoughts because these are Hashem's thoughts because otherwise it's very disrespectful or something like that." It's that you cannot access the full levels of wisdom of what the Torah is sharing if you are not aware of what it is that you're learning. If you don't know what the Torah is, if you, it's it's kind of like learning physics without knowing what physics is about. You just can't really do it, and that's actually how many people in, in elementary school, high school, they start learning physics. It's often taught that way. It's kind of or math is especially like that. Math is kind of like the part of physics that is taught without any context. So it's kind of, so so many students always ask, why do I need to know all these things in math? What's the point of learning about derivatives or limits or even basic equations and functions? And the answer to that is because these are systems that reflect existence. And that's, that's why they're used in physics uh, as the methodology of understanding existence. And so that's true. Uh, you know, people can learn that, 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 that way for subjects like math, they can learn Torah exactly the same way and simply not have any idea what it is that they're learning and why. And so that that extra information gives context and that gives meaning. And then that allows you further, not just not only is it, does it make it relevant, it allows you to actually learn it better because if you know what something is, then learning it becomes a process in which you're going towards goals. There are systems, there's understanding of the subject matter in a way that is related to the rest of existence. And so it fits together better. And that's how we really understand Torah very deeply. And so that's what Birkas Torah is about. And in this particular case, this, this halacha, so the question is really just, do we need Birkas Torah for this particular activity? And again, even if you decide, even if you're somebody who is uh, following the meaning of Ashkenaz to not say Birkasatora before saying these psukim, to have the awareness of this dynamic of, this, of these issues and, and to recognize when you're saying psukim that those are actually Hashem's thoughts, even if you're using them right now for your own personal articulation, is still a very, very valuable thing to have that clarity. And to other, because not having that clarity is simply falling into the Das Tovara distortion, where you now develop a habituation of not seeing that and just letting it fall into the background of your perceptual landscape. And then you're just not really aware of what it is that you're doing in a certain basic way. And even if more super 
superficially, you might say, well, I'm saying these psukim, but if you don't have this basic awareness of who Hashem is and what these psukim are about, then you're still in the Das Tovarah distortion land, and that is everything that the Birkas Torah is there to come to undo. So even if you don't say the Birkas Torah, uh, if you don't have that awareness, then you kind of are, you're, you're, you're essentially experiencing the, the, the problematic thing that the Birkas Torah are coming to try to fix. Okay, that's basically the idea here. So let's, uh, we're going to pick up with the next section of Halakha in the next episode and get further into Birkas Torah there, but that's basically a good introduction for Birkas Torah and also finishing off Siman Memvav as we now move forward. Thanks so much again for joining and for listening, and please head over to Yisobox to subscribe if you're interested in further Torah of this content, and looking forward to having you join me in the next episode.